How are you enjoying your weekend? Are you enjoying it as much as Joe Biden, who is uh, retreating? Yes, he is at a weekend retreat. The White House chose those words, not me. It's a weekend retreat. Well, actually, it's more like a weekend of defeat. In the last less than 24 hours, even before I could finish writing the script for this podcast, when I was thinking about day three and how things were going in Ukraine and other parts of the world, North Korea has launched new missile tests, firing missiles east that Japan is extremely worried about. Minister Abe of Japan is saying that something needs to be done in Ukraine to stand up to what is going on with the violence, otherwise the world is not going to believe anymore what America does, according to former Japanese Prime Minister Abe. On top of that, as if that wasn't bad enough, you suddenly have war games announced. Um, it should be taking place just about now off the coast of Hainan in the South China Sea. And these will be at a distance of six miles. Now, the supposed exercise takes place off the coast of Hainan at a specific point. But it goes all the way up the China coast along the South China Sea if you listen and read the wording. So this could mean anywhere from any of those reefs turned into islands that the Chinese have, which range down as far south as Fiery Cross Reef, which was eventually built into some islands in an area called Nansha, where they have about five or six runways that run all the way up near the Philippine-held areas of Karayaan, which is actually a town known as uh, Freedom Town, in English if we were to translate it, with several islands, uh, the largest of which is called Pagasa, or Hope. But it's pretty hopeless as to where exactly anyone will know what will happen with China. For China to declare live fire drills off the coasts that it controls, it's unclear. And the length of these drills will take place from today, the 27th of February, until March 1st. So, you know, that's three full days. They're going to be doing live fire drills. And at any time within that time, they do not want any vessels to pass through the South China Sea off of Hainan within six miles of their coastal areas. Uh, in the middle of, you know, certain distance probably things could pass but then again there's going to be live fire drills and military exercises so be aware of that if you're cruising in that area so joe biden has gone on his retreat Zelensky, however is standing on his feet yes the uh, ukrainian prime minister and uh Future action hero, it seems, from comedian, has turned out to be much stronger than most people thought. Probably even than President Putin did when he went in to invade. Who would have thunk it? This guy is turning out to have big ones. Cajones made of steel. However, we don't know exactly how truthful many of the reports are coming out of Ukraine. They reported up to 3,000 Russian fatalities. 3,000 Russian fatalities in three days. That's 1,000 a day. Or the equivalent of the entire death toll of 9-11 in 72 hours. Or the a number of Americans basically killed in Pearl Harbor and other 
areas that were hit on December 7th, 1941. However, a lot of people are saying, take everything that's being reported in a time of war with a very good grain of salt. Listen to it well and figure out what's going on. One person who is looking at all this and issuing warnings is former American President Donald Trump. Yes, the Don is back at CPAC and speaking. Let's listen to what he had to say today as he was speaking to delegates who were there at the conservative conference that is usually seen as the stomping grounds for future presidential candidates. We'll also listen to someone who is believed to be a potential running mate for Trump should he seek the nomination post. We'll let you know who that is when we get back from listening to Donald and his warning on World War III. And if I was the president, very simple, it wouldn't have happened. Under Bush, Russia invaded Georgia. Under Obama, Russia took Crimea. Under Biden, Russia invaded Ukraine. I stand as the only president of the 21st century on whose watch Russia did not invade another country. Thank you. I gave Ukraine the javelins that everyone is now talking about and millions of dollars of other military equipment. The Obama administration gave them blankets. You remember? They gave them blankets. They said, we need more than blankets. No, no, we gave you blankets. They sent them blankets. Thank you very much. (laughs) Under our leadership, the world was a peaceful place because America was strong. And the perception of our country was perhaps like it had never been before. Powerful, cunning, and smart. We were a smart country. Now we're a stupid country. We always, very simply, put America first. That was the answer. With the Abraham Accords, we had peace in the Middle East. We had peace in Europe. China knew that it could no longer take advantage of the United States. And I was proud to be the first president in decades who did not get our country into any wars. I got you out of wars. Thank you. Thank you. Under our administration, Russia respected America just like every other country respected America, and they really respected us a lot. But now Joe Biden is seen as a weak, and I hate to say it because I want him to do a great job. I really want him to do. Politically, I don't care. I would much rather have him do a great job than a poor job. 
But nobody could ever believe how bad and weak and grossly incompetent it has been. And when you have a weak president who is not respected by other nations, you have a very chaotic world. And the world hasn't been this chaotic since World War II. I think we can say that. We can say that very strongly. I have no doubt that President Putin made his decision to ruthlessly attack Ukraine only after watching the pathetic withdrawal from Afghanistan, where the military was taken out first, our soldiers were killed, and American hostages plus $85 billion worth of the finest equipment anywhere in the world were left behind. Yesterday, reporters asked me if I thought President Putin was smart. I said, of course he's smart, to which I was greeted with, oh, that's such a terrible thing to say. I'd like to tell the truth. Yes, he's smart. The NATO nations, and indeed the world, as he looks over what's happening strategically with no repercussions or threats whatsoever, they're not so smart. They're looking the opposite of smart. If you take over Ukraine, we're going to sanction you, they say. Sanction? Well, that's a pretty weak statement. Putin is saying, oh, they're going to sanction me. They sanctioned me for the last 25 years. You mean I can take over a whole country and they're going to sanction me? You mean they're not going to blow us to pieces, at least psychologically? The problem is not that Putin is smart, which, of course, he's smart, but the Real problem is that our leaders are dumb. <laughs> dumb. So dumb. And they so far allowed him to get away with this travesty and assault on humanity. That's what it is. This is an assault on humanity. It's so sad. Putin is playing Biden like a drum, and it's not a pretty thing as somebody that loves our country to watch. Just not a pretty thing to watch. You know, I was uh, with Putin a lot. I spent a lot of time with him. I got along with him. I got along with President Xi. I got along with Kim Jong-un. Kim Jong-un has massive nuclear power. It's a good thing to get along with people, not a bad thing. You can be very tough and get along. You know, I'm the one that ended his pipeline. He said, you're killing me with the pipeline. Nobody else ended his pipeline. Biden came in. He approved it. But I did a lot of things that were very tough on Russia. Nobody, no president was ever as tough on Russia as I was. And I'd come in, the fake news would say, Trump loves Russia. He loves Russia. Then we had the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax, which is now with Durham and Mueller and all the rest, just a total hoax. It was a made-up. Go back to uh, what we were talking about, and that was uh, who could possibly be a really good, effective, potential cabinet member or someone who can appeal to the other side of the political camp in the United States. It makes a lot of sense. Who's basically a Democrat at heart, and that would be Tootsie Gabbard. And she was a congresswoman from Hawaii. For a time, she was thought of as a new face of the Democratic Party, but someone who could actually reach over across the aisle. When she tried for the vice presidential nomination versus Kamala Harris, she came out with some really strong factual uh, information about Harris and also about Hillary Clinton. 
which eventually led to her being dragged out of the picture um, and, and being really dragged down and targeted for her, her comments by, by members of, of, of the party. Didn't want anybody to be going against the party's narrative, you know, that the candidate had to be this type of person or that type of person and, and, and you know, everything had to be gender-based or race-based or whatever. You know, that's exactly what is the problem with politics in America sometimes. It's all perception, perception, perception. Andrew Bolt of Sky News Australia had a very good commentary a while ago. Uh, yeah, we do actually listen all the way down to the lightning bolt area down there in Australia. And Bolt was talking about how uh, Barack Obama ribbed Mitt Romney for one very, very simple thing. You remember back in the day when Romney and Obama was running? I covered that basically for, for a Philippine news channel. Did some coverage on it. We did some did some events about it. We we, uh, we we looked at the events and the potential for the candidates. And you know what was found out from all that was one very basic simple thing, and that was that Obama basically set us up for the fall by ignoring Russia to a point that he didn't see it as a potential rival anymore for the United States. That Russia was a was a was a decayed country that had no chance of ever coming back. Oh boy, it's come back. I mean, NATO, the entire NATO, the entire European Union, the United States has not put enough pressure against Russia and Vladimir Putin for him to back down. Listen to what Bolt has to say. He puts it pretty clear. Eric Obama, hero of the left. What he is doing now. No way. All right, you might say he's bragging, but I have to say Trump has some evidence on his side. You go back to the president, you're at all. I don't have some outrage on the station today, but it's hard to argue with Trump there or with something else that he said, which is this. I know Vladimir Putin very well, and he would have never done during the Trump administration what he is doing now. No way. All right, you might say he's bragging, but I have to say Trump has some evidence on his side. You go back to the president before him, Barack Obama, hero of the left. Now, when Barack Obama was fighting for re-election against the Republicans, Mitt Romney, he mocked Romney for suggesting that Russia was, in fact, still America's top geopolitical enemy. And the media high-fived Obama for being so sassy and making Romney look so dumb and so cool. Governor Romney, I'm glad that you recognize that Al-Qaeda is a threat because a few months ago, when you were asked what's the biggest geopolitical threat facing America, you said Russia. Not Al-Qaeda, you said Russia. In the 1980s are now calling to ask for their foreign policy back because you know the Cold War has been over for 20 years. But Governor, you know when it comes to our foreign policy, you seem to want to import the foreign policies of the 1980s. Oh, 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 what a wise guy. But it only took a couple of years for Russian President Putin to make a fool of Obama by sending his soldiers to steal the Crimea from Ukraine down the bottom of the map. That was in 2016. And pro-Russian militias also grabbed parts of eastern Ukraine, Donetsk and Luhansk. Now, when Trump became president, oh, well, Putin did make another move. I think that's because he probably recognised, to be frank, that Trump was a bit of a thug as well. You know, the kind of thug who understood very well with thugs like, you know, thugs like Putin thought 
they probably would be crazy enough to punch Putin right back, right in the nose. Whatever. Putin did nothing until Trump was beaten and doddery old Joe Biden shambled in to become president. And that is where we are now. We're not going to let uh, uh, Mr. Bolt uh, talk about this. Andrew, of course, has a, has a long description of what is going on. And it is from the Australian perspective and that of uh, Sky News Australia. But if you want to listen to him, I'll, I'll put a link in the uh, show notes where you can you can take a look at his uh, Sky News Australia spiels. You can look, look him up. Just Google him. Andrew Bolt, B-O-L-T. And, uh, you know, you, you, you can talk about this, this whole topic with him. Now, we were talking about Tusi Gabbard. You know, she is probably one of the most popular uh, among the Democrat candidates who, who was seen by conservatives lately to be someone that they can actually deal with, talk to, work with, uh, you know, um, fantasize about, among other things, and, and try and get her into uh, uh, the picture uh, and perhaps jumping parties as a potential either Senate candidate or potentially vice presidential candidate because let's face it it's highly unlikely that you are going to see someone like um, um, uh, Mike come back you know Mike Pence is pretty much done I think as far as the Republican Party is concerned but we'll listen we'll look and here's Ms. Gabbard and her spiel at CPAC, the uh, American Conservative Union meeting that took place today. My coming here, we both had a similar reaction to each other, saying, yeah, there's going to probably be some strong thoughts that people were going to share with both of us. <laughs> when they find out that I'm coming here and, and we both kind of, I imagined you were nodding, Matt, I was nodding, but we're like, you know what, bring it on. And, uh, and they brought it on. <laughs> so it wouldn't surprise you to know that on social media and Twitter, the blue check marks started lighting up and, you know, I kind of started to see coming from the so-called progressives, the usual things coming out saying, Tulsi Gabbard is going to CPAC. She's a traitor. Hillary was right. Get her out of here. And then I started to see the things coming up from so-called conservatives, mostly directed at Matt, saying, how dare you? <laughs> don't you know she's a Democrat? Cancel her, disinvite her, lock the doors, don't let her in. While these things can be easy to laugh about sometimes, unfortunately, this kind of reaction, this kind of tribalism is not limited to social media. It is something that's happening far too often and far too common across our country, where one section of our country sticks to our own tribe. We only hang out with and listen to and talk to people who we agree with, and we turn our backs and reject anyone who is not part of that tribe. But this kind of tribalism is dangerous and it's emblematic of an erosion of a spiritual foundation in this country. It's emblematic of this lack of recognition that we are all God's children 
that we are one nation under God. And knowing that inspires us. It inspires us to look within and find that fundamental respect and care that we should have for one another. And so when I came out here, I said aloha because this is what aloha really means. Everyone's heard the word aloha. Most people think it means hello and goodbye, but the reason, there's a reason why we greet each other with aloha, and it's because of the deeper meaning there where it says, I recognize that we are all children of God, and I come to you with respect, and I come to you with this heartfelt love that no matter where we come from, the color of our skin, our religion, or even our politics, we respect each other in that spirit of aloha. This spirit of aloha is actually what is at the heart of our Declaration of Independence. It is what is the foundation of our Constitution. When we say we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Our freedom comes from God, not from any other person, not from anyone in government. Our freedom comes from God and to recognize others as children of God is to appreciate that we belong to God and no one else. So naturally, therefore, no one has the right to take away that intrinsic freedom which God has given us. This is the foundation of the social construct of the United States of America. This is what is at the foundation of our Constitution. 